Yeah, oh man, that's right. They didn't show the whole thing. You're disappointed like I was. I mean, you want to see me preach, start the service with that, you know, and they cut it short, <laughs> running a little long. But, you know, we, we're going to take one service, just combined it, you know, two services into one, which means this goes to, what, I guess 1230, right? So <laughs> isn't that how it works? It's Father's Day. Come on. Well, good morning and uh, happy Father's Day to you. I'm really pumped about Father's Day and Dad's Fest. I'm excited about... Uh, uh, Chief Pete's Plump and Juicy Hickory Smoke, world-famous Plump and Juicy Hickory Smoke barbecue chicken and ribs, and they're going to be out there, and all that, all the, all the, all the profit, 100% of it's going to help Big Heart Brigade, helping the less fortunate, so that's really cool. And then we got the Dad's Choice Award. The most important thing of the event today is the Dad's Choice Award, and we're going to go out as dads and pick the best car out there. And last year, a Ford won a 34 Ford. We invited the guy. We told him he could not come back this year, all right? So this is the year for a Chevy to win, all right? Don't want to influence the voting at all, but uh, uh, I'm excited about that Dad's Choice Award and enjoying Main Street and having a good time. It's going to be a great Father's Day. I mean, a phenomenal Father's Day. And then we're going to cap it off by watching the Miami Heat win Game 5, right? Wasn't Game 4 incredible? I mean, awesome. It's going to be a great Father's Day all week. It's just kind of been building for this. So I hope you're going to love it and enjoy your Father's Day as I'm enjoying mine. Now, I'd like to begin this morning with a story, a story of a wise, powerful, all-knowing father who long, long, long ago made a, a fateful decision to, uh, I need to get comfortable here, let me figure this out, all right, here we go, he made a fateful decision to uh, send his one and only son to this planet, and there he was raised by earthly mother and father, exhibiting signs of supernatural power. When he reached adulthood, he eventually uh, set out for his mission, his mission to save the earth, to save the people of this earth from harm and from destruction. And he stepped forward, performing miracles, saving lives, giving people on this earth a reason and a purpose and an ideal to strive towards and to live. And it became very clear to a few that he was sent here for a reason, that someone special, he was someone special, someone like God himself. And in the year that he became, he began this ministry, in the year this Savior began his ministry, was not A.D. 25, but 1938. His name was Cal, Cal-El, Cal the son of El. Let's watch this clip. Goodbye, my son. and dreams travel with you. He'll be an outcast. I'll kill him. How? He'll be a god to them. What if a child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended? What if a child aspired to something greater? 
son was in the bus, he saw what Clark did. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Wow, good stuff, huh? Opened on Friday, and Kal-El is better known as Superman. Now, I don't want to really ruin some of you all's Father's Day, but I, I just got to be truthful. Part of my job, Superman is a fictional character. I know Renee's going to have a hard time dealing with that, but he's, he's really not real, all right? He's not a real character. But his fictional life in so many ways reflects the life of Jesus Christ. In so many ways, he reflects the story in the Bible of God our Father sending his Son. And Jesus emptied himself of the glory of God and, and putting on human flesh and being born by a virgin in Bethlehem. And then to live a sinless life, to live a, a perfect life, to fight for justice and goodness, and doing good. You see, Jesus stepped forward and willingly laid down his life for my sin and for your sin, for our sin. He was the Superman. He was the Savior of the world. And today, more than ever before, we need men and women to follow in his steps Many men and women to be like Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We need for fathers to rise up and to be super fathers, super dads, super men, servant leaders of their homes, exposing the evil one, doing good, standing up for the truth, willing to lay down their lives for their spouse and for their children. We need super men. We need super women people who are becoming all they can be. And supermen today are a, a rare commodity. Fathers, super fathers are becoming an endangered species. And I don't mean to be overdramatic, but, but just listen to some of these statistics. In 1960, and I was born in 1958, the number of children living with one parent, dad or mom, number of children living with one parent was less than 1 in 10, less than 10%. Today, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 43% of U.S. children live without their fathers. Now, if you're a single parent, if you're a single mom, man, please 
don't go there with your mind right now. If you've been around here, you know our hearts. We, we want to fight for you and with you. We believe in you. There is not a harder job than to be one of those single parents or single moms. But these statistics are just, they're, they're just shocking. According to the uh, Journal of Marriage and Family, more than 40% of U.S. children have not even seen their father in a year. The vanishing father is having a tremendous effect upon our culture, upon society, like never before. The U.S. Department of Health says 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Excuse me here. Need to lock this in. Sorry about that. Five times the national average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 32 times the average. The U.S. Center of Disease Control says 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of sex offenders with anger problems come from fatherless homes. The National Principals Association report says 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. The U.S. Department of Justice said 70% of youth in-state operating institutions, juvenile homes, come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. And when little girls don't grow up with a daddy around, it affects them. It marks their lives. 53% are more likely to marry as a teenager. And get this, little girls growing up without a father's involvement, 711% are more likely to have children as a teenager. 711%. Why is that, man? Because there's no dad there to protect her. There's no dad to find off those bad boys that want to harm her and hurt her and use her and abuse her. 711%. Or more likely to have children. 92% more likely to get a divorce. And the vanishing father is even having a greater effect upon boys and sons today. I mean, more than ever before, little boys growing up without their father's involvement are more likely to be sexually confused. Have a poor sense of their own masculinity and, and what it looks like and what it feels like to be a man. They struggle with hostility towards women. And they fear forming deep relationships with other men. So dads this morning, more than anything else, we want to honor you for being a dad. You play a critical role, not just in your family, but in our society, in our culture, in our world. It does rest upon our shoulders. And it's going to pot in so many ways. Because dads are not being super dads. Dads are not being the men that God wants us to be. And we're seeing the effects. I mean, so quickly change is happening. And one of the common denominators is a lack of male presence in the home, in the family, and the life of kids. So dads, please feel honored this morning. Please feel valued this morning. You play such a critical role in the spiritual and the emotional well-being of your children. We just need for all of us to put on our cape. We need to put on our cape and become a superman. 
Not a superman that is faster than a speeding bullet or more powerful than a locomotive or able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, but a superman that unashamedly loves God and passionately loves their children. That's what we need you guys to be, to unashamedly love your God and love your children. And I believe the Apostle Paul gives us great advice on how each one of us can become super dads and supermen and how we can help save our children. So at this time, I'd like to ask all, all dads if you'd stand again and all men if you would stand and all boys to stand if you would. We're going to read our text this morning. It's found in 1 Corinthians. And uh, just so some of you apparently are still confused, as, as Chris's grandma, grandmother would say, if you've got exterior plumbing, you should be standing right now, okay? Um, so, and what we're going to do, we're going to read together this passage from, uh, some of you are figuring that out, okay, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read this together. All right, guys? Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Now guys, let's read it like we're men. And boys, let's read it like you're a man, all right? Let's, let's read it once more again and let's read it, all right? And we're talking about being supermen, all right? So let, let's read it that way. You ready? Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. All right, awesome. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Yeah. The women are clapping. It was amazing. We went and saw the movie on Friday, took the staff to the movie, and the girls came out, and they just loved the movie. The guy said, ah, you know, because they want men that are tough and tender, but we'll, we'll talk more about that. But look at, this, look at this passage this morning. In your message, in your program, there is an outline there. If you would grab that, look at this passage again. I mean, is there not a better passage verse to describe Superman? Watchful, firm, standing firm, strong. Let all that you do be done in love. You see, we live in a day of gender confusion with a lot of men and, men and women rethinking the nature of manhood Rethinking the nature of masculinity. What does it look like to be a man in 2013? I mean, are men evolving and changing? Is it a good change? Is it a bad change? What does it look like to be a man in 2013? I think God kind of lays it out here for us, guys. I think God lays it out real clear right here in these two verses. He tells us, first of all, we need to be, we need to be tough, verse 13, and then we need to be tender. Verse 14, we need to be tough. I mean, Superman, he was tough. I mean, no doubt about it. And Jesus, he was tough, no doubt about it. Do you remember Matthew chapter 21? Uh, they, these men were coming in and they were using the temple. Evil men were using the temple, using the church for their evil desires, for, 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 for their own personal financial profit. And Jesus got angry, and he makes a whip, and he goes into the temple, and he overturns their tables, and these guys are trying to gather up their money and get the heck out of Dodge. Matter of fact, the text implies that no one stood and fought. There was a fire in the eyes of Jesus 
that they just wanted to get out of there. He was strong. He was tough. And we need to be tough like Jesus. Now, I see three words to describe toughness found in verse 13. The word sober, steadfast, and strong. Sober, steadfast, and strong. What does it look like to be tough? Sober, steadfast, and strong. Say it with me, guys. Sober, steadfast, and strong. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about being sober. Be sober. Now, I'm not talking about giving up your Budweiser. Some of you are confused. We're not talking about sobriety here. Being sober means to be alert. It means to be on your guard. Paul says, be watchful. And watchful means stay alert. Stay alert. There are evil people out there that want to take you out. There are predators out there that want to destroy your family, including Satan himself. Stay alert. The apostle Peter warned us. He said this, be, what's the word? Sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Part of being a man is being tough. It's being alert like Superman, alert to the evil in this world. And we need to be sober to the work of Satan. We need to protect our homes. We need to protect our families. We need to stand up for justice. We need to stand up for truth. We need to fight against those things that destroy our culture, destroys our family, and destroys our children. We need to be tough like Jesus was tough. We need to be sober. And not only do we need to be sober, we need to be steadfast. Paul says, be watchful. And then he says what? Stand firm in the faith. When under attack, stand fast in the faith. Yield not an inch. I love William Barclay, a scholar, commentator on this passage. He says, in in a time of battle, William Barclay says, play the part of the hero. Play the part of the hero, men. What's the hero? The hero is the one that's steadfast. The hero is the one that has convictions. The hero is the one that fights to the bitter end, that dies for their cause. Why do they die for their cause? Why are they the hero? You know the reason why? is because they have convictions. If we're honest today, we don't have convictions anymore. We don't have backbone. We have milk toast. I mean, we have preferences. You know, that's where our American culture is. That's where most of us guys are. You know, we prefer certain things. Based upon our beliefs, we have, we have preferences, and we, and we hold to our preferences, And a preference is something we prefer, something we believe to be true, but we will change under certain circumstances. It's a preference because we're willing to change. It's not a conviction. Kind of like the biblical view, very clearly taught, that there shouldn't be sex taking place outside of the boundaries of marriage, period. The Bible's pretty clear. Most of us say we believe that. We have a preference, (laughs) towards that. I mean, God is pro-sex, and God's pro-sex in marriage. But all of a sudden, a Superman comes along and, you know, and uh, circumstances causes us to change, or some bodacious babe comes along. And all of a sudden, our beliefs change according to 
culture, according to circumstances. See, a belief is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds on to you. And we need to be tough men of conviction who will stand firm in our faith. Men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not bow down and worship the king's idol, the king's image of himself. They were men of deep conviction, and they were willing to die for their faith. They would bow only to Jehovah God, to no other gods. It was a conviction, not a preference. And they held it, and they held it strong, and they held it, and they're willing to die for it. But today we've gotten soft, and we don't have convictions anymore. We just have preferences. I think Winston Churchill had it right when he said, never give in, never give in, never, 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 never in anything great or small, large or petty, Never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Be steadfast. Be men of valor. Be men of honor. Be men of of deep moral and spiritual convictions. Be a man with a backbone. Be steadfast in your faith. Be sober. And then the third one, be strong. Be strong. Paul says this in verse 13. He says, act like, what's the word? Men. Now, how do men act? Be strong. Act like men. Be strong. Now, the phrase act like men, it's one word in the Greek language. And it's, if you transliterated it, it would be play the man. Play the man. Now, Paul probably is talking to men and women here, and he's talking about our faith, and he says, play the man. Play the man. Be strong. Be courageous. That's the way men are supposed to act. Live in a manly, in a courageous way. Play the man. Act like a man and be strong. Be strong. Now, speaking in generalities, Men are physically stronger than women. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, is there a man here that your wife is stronger than you? Want to raise your hand? You know? Some of you are honest. Okay, that's good. My wife can throw a good punch and kick, and she, you know, I think, man alive, I better stay in tow. She works out with a, a bag. My face, no, no, no. You know, I love basketball. I played basketball, high school, a little bit of college basketball. And I love watching the Heat. And I every once in a while watch a little WNBA, women's basketball. You know, they're just not as strong. You know, you look at LeBron James, and what do you think of? I mean, he's strong. But you know what's so weird right now? I feel so uncomfortable talking about this. You know, I mean, literally, you know, we've been neutered by culture that we feel uncomfortable talking about the fact that men are stronger physically than women. I mean, it almost feels like it's wrong to say that. And it's a fact. It's a truth. But we've been neutered by our culture. And that's another message for another day. Maybe next Father's Day, the neutering of the American male culture. We'll we'll talk about that next year. 
well, let's don't go there. But guys, you know, think about it when you're a little boy. What, what, what did you think about your dad? What was the thing that you thought most about your dad? He was what? He was strong. My daddy's bigger than your daddy. My daddy's stronger than your daddy. My daddy can beat your daddy up. I mean, when you're a little guy and you're a little girl, I love what little Janelle used to say to me. She used to say, Daddy, you're so high in the sky. You're so, you're so big. You're so strong. You're, you're high in the sky from her little world being 6'5". You know, I remember my dad, he was always so strong. That's what we're attracted to dads that are strong. And do you remember when you realized that you have become physically stronger than your own father? Some of you guys remember that? I remember it distinctly. I had, I've always had such high respect for my father. And I remember he was out working on my dragster. I was like 18, 19. He was trying to break the flywheel loose. And he couldn't do it. And I walked in the garage and I saw him there struggling. And he said, hey, son, will you do this? And I remember getting on my back on the concrete floor there in our garage with the drags were above me, reaching up and breaking it loose rather easy. And I realized that I was stronger than my father. Being strong, men, is an important character and quality that Jesus had, that Superman had, that we need to have. We need to be strong. Now, it's real important to get this. Do you know where strength is always found in the Bible? It's always found outside of ourselves. Again, our culture today says, you know, find you, find that inner child, find the strength within you. In the Bible, strength is always found from a bigger source, from an all-powerful, omnipotent God. Strength that we're talking about this morning, please don't be confused. I'm not talking necessarily about physical strength. I'm talking about physical strength as a result of you putting your faith and trust in God, in Christ It doesn't come from within. It comes from without. It's a power that's much greater than me, a power that's much greater than you, and it's activated by our faith. I mean, Superman grew in strength as he grew up. You watch the movie or you've read the cartoons, you know. He grew in strength, and the source of his strength was primarily from where? From the sun. He was semi-solar powered, I think is how you put it. And as Christ's followers, our strength is found in the sun. It's found in the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And as we see our humanness, as we see our weakness, as we see our our struggle and our sin, we learn to rely upon him and his strength more, and we become stronger, we become self-aware, we become better fathers and better husbands and better men and better businesses and better owners. Not because we get strong within ourselves, but because we become more self-aware and we find a strength that's more powerful, that's all-knowing and wise beyond ourselves, You see, in our weaknesses, he is strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, it takes a very strong man or woman to admit their need for God. And Christianity... And the cross of Jesus Christ isn't for the weak of heart. It's not for weak people. It's for men and women who are strong enough to see that they are weak in their sin. 
that they are, are weak in their selfishness, that they are weak in their humanness, and that they need a Savior. It's for men and women who are strong enough to take the risk of faith and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone to save them from their sin. I wonder this morning, are there men and women in this place strong enough to take that risk of faith and find out that Christianity is real, that is based upon historical facts? It's not fiction. I wonder if there's some men and women in here this morning that are strong enough to admit their own sin and their own selfishness and their own bent to be in rebellion against God and are willing to put their faith in a source bigger and better and beyond themselves. You see, we all need heroes, but there's only one Savior, and he was tough. He was a man's man. He was the son of a carpenter. He was a carpenter, and he had big, large, calloused hands. He wasn't some wimpy Hollywood Jesus, confused about his identity or his calling. He knew he came to be the Savior of the world, and he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem to do what God had called him to do. He was sober-minded, he was steadfast, he was strong, and he didn't shrink back from adversity. He faced it, and in faith, he moved forward. He didn't just talk the talk, guys. He walked the walk, and he had courage, and he had faith, and he had determination to follow through on his promises, and he did what he said, and he said what he did. He was strong. He was tough. But yet, he lived a life of love and of grace and of forgiveness and of compassion. We need to be tough, but we need to be tender. You know, the reason Superman and Clark Kent, I think, have been so endearing to us for more than 70 years, 70 years, wasn't just the toughness of Superman. It was his tenderness. It was his compassion, his care. I mean, Superman really is kind of a cool mythological contradiction. And if you go see the movie, you'll see such power and yet control. Strength, but love. Toughness, but tenderness. There was a gentle manner about him. He was moved by emotion. He was sensitive to human feelings. I found it very interesting that David Goyer, David Goyer was the, the script writer for uh, Superman, Made of Steel, and he shared that as he was writing the script, he became a stepfather. And as he was writing the script, Superman, A Man of Steel, he also became a father and as he was writing the script, he also lost his father. And this dichotomy of, you know, a father and being tender and a stepfather, I mean, it comes out in a very beautiful, powerful way in this movie. You see this, this toughness, but yet this incredible, incredible God-honoring tenderness. And I think the Apostle Paul in our, in our text this morning paints the same picture. Can, can I read it to you again? I'll read it. 
Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Be tough, but be tender. Let all that you do be done in love. We have a responsibility as men and women to make this place a better place, to love people, to help people, to take action. And what motivates us to do that isn't ego, isn't isn't desire to be a hero. What ultimately the greatest motivation is love. Let all that you do be done in love. We need to be people of peace. We need to be men of compassion. Let all that you do be done in love. We need to be strong yet sensitive. We need to be tough yet tender. We need to lead, but yet we need to be submissive. Let all that you do be done in love. What does tenderness look like for you? To be a tender man, what does it look like for you? What what does it look like for your children to have a, a tender love for them? Maybe it's spending more time with them because what little kids want more than anything else is daddy's attention. If you've got teenagers, maybe you just need more patience. You know, tender love of patience and helping them get through a difficult time in life. What does a tender love look for your spouse? For your spouse, your tender love might look like being more understanding or, or showing empathy being able to identify with and express the feelings of your spouse. Those words right there would mean the world to your wife, and that's why those girls love that Superman movie so much, because they played the character well. He had empathy, he had understanding, he had compassion, and he would protect women. He was a man of honor and valor. What does tender love look like for your neighbor? Maybe being more compassionate, more accepting, not giving people what they deserve, the middle finger, you know, but what they need, what they need isn't that. What they need is love, love. You know, one of the things that's been so fascinating to me um, in, in, in recent months studying the Scripture is, is these dichotomies that you find in the Bible. Uh, example would be the, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. They're like two rails that run on a train, that run through the Scripture, and they, and they appear to many of us like a, a dichotomy or like a contradiction that, that God is sovereign, that he's a sovereign God, that he has a plan and a purpose And it's not, you know, he's working in history. It really is his story. And sometimes we think it's spinning out of control, but God has a purpose. And at the same time, we see that we're free moral agents and that we've got responsibility and we've got a choice in the matter and we choose God. And you see these dichotomies of the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. I think a great quick example of that would be like when Peter, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no way, you're crazy. And if Jesus said it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to happen. And as you read the text, Peter chose to do it. An event can be both certain and free. It's a mystery. I can't explain it any more than that. 
And the other mystery that I keep seeing as I study the scriptures is this, this mystery, this dichotomy of grace and truth and truth and grace. And they just, they go together and they just run together through the scriptures of grace and truth and truth and grace of toughness and tenderness and tenderness and toughness. I mean, in John chapter 8, this woman is caught in adultery. And in that day, just like in some places in the world today, if you're caught actually in the act of adultery, you're taken out and you're stoned to death right then and right there. And they brought this woman to Jesus and they were ready to stone her. And he responds with such compassion and such love and such forgiveness and grace. And he writes, I think, of some things in the sand, probably the sins of the guy standing around that had the stones in their hands. And they didn't want to see any more. And so they all left. And he's standing there with that woman, and she's crying, and she's broken. And he, she realizes Jesus has just saved her life. And then Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. Truth. Stop your sinning. Grace and truth. Truth and grace. Tenderness and toughness. Toughness and tenderness. And Jesus is a, is a perfect combination of divine power and human potential. I mean, he was fully God and fully man. And it's a mystery. Fully God and fully man. And I don't know about you, but as I, as I read this Bible and as I read and study the life of Jesus Christ, something just tells me deep inside that I need to be more like Jesus. I need to be tougher. I need to be a man of conviction. And I need to be more tender and more compassionate towards those I disagree with. I need grace and I need truth. I need to be more like Jesus. Do you need to be more like Jesus? Do you need to be more tough? Do you need to hold on to some deep convictions? And at the same time, do you need to be more tender towards people who violate those convictions? Tough and tenderness. Grace and truth. What's verse 14 says? Let all that you do be done in love. That's a super father. That's a super dad. Tough and deeply, deeply tender. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Can you pray this morning and say, I need to be more like Jesus? Can you pray that this morning? I need to be more like Jesus. I need to be tough. I need to be a man or a woman of conviction. And I need to be tender. I need to extend grace and truth. I need to be more gentle, yet more powerful. The way you become more like Jesus, a superman, a superwoman, is to invite that Jesus into your life. And I invite you to do that this morning. Maybe right now, just say, God, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge that I'm a mere mortal, and I've made bad choices. 
And I've rebelled against you in many ways. And this morning, I want to turn from a path, from a life of sin. I want, to, I want to repent and turn from that sin. And I want to turn to you this morning. And I want to invite Jesus Christ to come into my life right now and to forgive me and to change me and make me the man or the woman that you so desperately want me to be. Invite Christ into your life this morning. Experience this incredible dichotomy of being tough and tender, of grace and truth. Father, I thank you so much that you are the world's greatest father. I thank you for examples that we see in pictures of you in movies in Hollywood. God, I pray this morning that we won't be discouraged as men, that we might be challenged to be tough, to be strong, but yet to be so compassionate and so tender. God, help us to be and to live this day and this week more like Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Ray. Can we thank Dr. Ray for today? Yeah.